What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? This is your co-host, Ridge. We're back after the international break. Chris, are you with me back? I'm back. It's been a little while. Uh, I'm going to have to iron out the kinks here a little bit rusty, but no, it's, it's good to be back here. Uh, are you excited to be back? <laughs> you know, I'm always excited to be back. It's been a while. You know, we, we haven't talked in a bit here. Uh, I'm I'm kind of tweaking a bit, not having the footy in my life. It's tough. Uh, it's it's weird waking up on a Saturday and a Sunday and just not knowing what to do with my life. Um, so I'm definitely excited to have footy back here. It's only Tuesday, so we still got a little while to go, but uh, good to be back on the mic at least. Good to be back. Excited to be back. Yeah, it's weird. Like on Saturdays, you now you kind of have to like wait till noon for college football and then Sundays you have to I mean I'm in central time zone so you have to wait till noon again for college football and there's just nothing in the mornings and like I didn't know what to do myself I like didn't know if I should like work out if I should clean if I should get stuff done if I should just lay in bed yeah it's just a weird sensation I ended up going golfing on Sunday morning so did that um, to kind of combat the the, the lack to kind of distract the mind from the lack of football um, and then Saturday got out out and about early um, got to a, a Michigan bar in Chicago what about you what'd you get into yeah dude that first uh, that first international break of the season is always really tough it's like you get into this groove where you're waking up every morning on Saturday Sunday you know exactly what's going to be happening like no matter how early you get up there's footy on uh, and it takes you through like early afternoon so it's tough uh, the football has helped the American football um, except it's been really brutal I don't know why you and I pick just awful teams, no matter what sport it is to support, but uh, Michigan had a tough uh, tough game against Army this weekend, went to double overtime, and then the Lions, uh, oh man, that, that was rough on Sunday, but I did get to sprinkle in some actual uh, football, football as we call it, uh, on Saturday night with a couple of our friends, uh, Nick Harmon and Andrew Lockman, a couple of loyal listeners, and myself. We went to the Detroit City FC match on Saturday night. Saw your whole family there. They're all involved with the club. It was very fun. So they're in like the Members League, which is, I don't know, like third or fourth division in the U.S. They're not MLS uh, sized at this point or quality, I guess. So they play at Keyworth Stadium in Detroit and Hamtramck, and their capacity is like 8,000 or so. So it's still it. grassroots. Yeah, still a good size. And so they actually, this wasn't a league game on Saturday. They were playing a international friendly uh, against Atlas, Atlas FC, which is a team in Liga MX, the top division in Mexico. So, you know, we're thinking, all right, we're like at best third division in the U.S. We're probably going to come in and get throttled pretty good here by Atlas FC. They were in sixth, actually, in Liga MX coming into this match. Wow. So they're doing pretty well, right? Uh, and we know, like, that's not a terrible league. I, I think um, as far as, like, quality goes, it's probably, what would you say, like, on par with MOS in that neighborhood kind of? Yeah, yeah. I would say on par, maybe a little bit worse. But, like, the they send a team to, like, the uh, – the club championship in North America every year. Chivas is uh, is the Mexican team. Guadalajara, uh, Cruz Azul. Um, there's just a couple decent teams. Yeah. So Atlas FC is also from Guadalajara. I learned they had a ton of fans there, like wearing kits, doing all this stuff. I don't think that a lot of them necessarily traveled, but there's a good uh, like Mexican population in parts of Detroit. So they came out in numbers. They're waving flags, this and that. 
DCFC actually came out in one two one, which was awesome. Um, wasn't expecting it. They like hung with them the whole way. Won the game two one, so like it was an awesome performance. Uh, Andrew and Nick both got like a shit ton of food. They have a bunch of food trucks at the game. We were drinking beers, having a good time. Went out afterwards as well. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up with you that I learned from this match, and I, it was new for me, it was new for Nick, it was new for Andrew, they're big soccer fans as well. We're watching, and like 10 minutes into the match, we realized that the right back for Atlas FC is wearing the number 200. Triple digits. And we're like, that's weird. And then we see one of their forwards is wearing the number like 176. And we're like, okay, this is interesting. Um, so we're like trying to figure out what the hell's going on. We're like, is this just like a normal thing? I, we don't know. Do you have any idea like, what the deal with that is? I looked it up, so I know now. And actually, uh, Sean Spence, who's like involved at DCFC, was talking to us about it too. But I had never heard of this. Do you know anything about this? Is it club specific or no? It's Mexico specific, but not club specific. Um, I have. No idea. Then <laughs> okay. I was gonna say maybe it might, it might be like a trialist number. It might be a little bit different than the at, an actual like player number if they're like on trial with the club. Like they they put an extra digit to to differentiate them. But that's all I can think of. You're not far off. So um, I don't know. If this might happen in places outside of Mexico too. But I know it's a, a thing that happens in Mexico. So what they do is like every team that's involved in Liga MX, they have to have a certain number of academy teams at their club so they have like a u20 team u17 yeah. u15 u13 and they don't do any repeat numbers throughout the entire club organization so like no one on the u20 team can have a number that's the same on the senior Whoa. squad yeah so what they do is to signify like what youth squad you're on they make a different digit for you so like my interpretation is like maybe the u20 team your digit starts at the two. Maybe like the U17 starts at the one, something like that. But I'd never seen triple digits on a jersey like that before. Uh-huh. I looked into it, and there are some examples of like anniversary games, things like that, where someone might wear like a commemorative number. But like these yeah. are these guys' permanent numbers throughout the entire That's season. That's insane. So That's we, it's also really funny to think of like well, I wonder what player like gets shafted with or like if there's like a nine ninety nine or something like that, or if there's like a, a one ninety nine if they only print up to two hundred or something. You know? Yeah, we were just like, What the hell is this right back doing wearing number two hundred? We were like we were it was we were weirded out by it and then we were talking about it at halftime and Sean Spence was like, Oh, good question, this and this and this and Garrett knew something about it too, I think. We were talking with him. Um, but that was really weird, and it was fun though. Like the atmosphere was awesome. Uh, if you know whether you're in Detroit or Chicago or anywhere, I know there's some MLS teams in some of the metropolitan regions, but like most places, I think have some of these lower league teams. DCFC is pretty good quality for the level they're at, but um, it's a blast every time we go. That's like my fourth game I think this year I've been to, and we had a great time. I, I definitely didn't expect to get the two-one win. And I'm sure that they weren't playing all their, their top players over the international break, but it was a really cool event. So I got a little bit of a footy fix in Saturday night, uh, you know, being able to see it live, which was awesome. Other than that, it's been a lot of American football, and, you know, I'm, I'm definitely itching for the prem. I'm itching to get my fantasy team going, all of that. But uh, it was a really fun Saturday night doing that. 
Yeah, I uh, yeah, I've been to Chicago Fire here in Chicago uh, once, and what I mean, it just the quality of play I was really disappointed in, um, and it was it's like really far out of the city too. It's kind of a nightmare to get to, but sometimes if you're just you know absolutely fiending for for a game, I can get. You know, I've been to DCFC too. I like the DCFC experience much more. Well, much, the, much more. The funny thing too is, if you have been to a DCFC game, uh, I know a lot of our Detroit friends have, but they're like their fans are maybe a little bit over the top, but like it, they take it very seriously, which is cool. Um, and it's something that you don't see in like England or MLS games, but they like bring flares to every game. There's smoke. Uh, I was watching like I think I went a month or two ago to a game, and they had so much smoke in the first five minutes that the entire sideline on one side of the pitch you couldn't see the linesman just disappeared and like the players and the other team are complaining and all this stuff but like the fans are super into it there's banners on the entire wall um they got these flares there they have chants. there's like four people with megaphones the whole time um you know we weren't really like in the mix of that because you know nick's with his like pregnant wife we're just trying to have a good time all this stuff but um you know, it's cool that they have that. Like, it's it's awesome for Detroit that we have this team. It's, I don't know if it would be the same if we had an MLS team or not, or maybe it's because it's so like grassroots that it's there. But right. it was really fun. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's jump over to what we're known for, our bread and butter, uh, what the people listen for, the listeners, all you millions and millions of listeners. Um, we've got. A little bit of prime action that happened. Obviously, there's no game, so we can't really talk about performances and things like that. A bunch of players called on international duty. Shout out Tyrone Mings and Tom Heaton from Villa. Um, but the major headline that happened over the weekend, which is something we've talked about at length, is Watford sacked Javi Gracia, which I think I called after week one. I think it was um, week actually, two. I, yeah, which would mean after week one, pre-week two. No, I think it was after uh, match week two. We'd have to check the tapes, but it was one of those no, two weeks. No, I'm... I'm like 90% sure it was after they lost their first game. But, and I think I might even said a preseason that it might be one of those managers that goes down like an Everton that. manager. I definitely did say that. But, um, anyway, uh, too much to my footballing you know, superior intelligence, I did call that correctly, and Watford sacked Javi Gracia and brought back in Kike Sanchez-Flores, so um, his fellow national compatriot, another Spaniard, back to be manager of Watford. So Watford have a bit of a reputation um, at this point for some of their management decisions and seem to have a very short leash. So Javi Gracia was there for, what, 18 months, which is like, or two years, which is like the longest they've had a manager in ages. I need some fact-checking on this, Chris. I know you got some facts. Uh, well, I, would, I just want to interject a little bit here to defend myself because if people don't follow us on Twitter, I've been taking a lot of unnecessary abuse over the past week, and I'm not very happy about it. Um, and to be honest, Jack, I, I blame a little bit of this on you because it's all coming from your family for the most part. Um, well, you're, you're the one hanging, hanging with them at these you know, DCFC games. Well, you I'm be also the, one... the only one that's like interacting with people on Twitter. I basically take all the responsibility there and it's not my fault that Alex Zermer tweeted at us with an absolutely ridiculous take that Frank Lampard would be the first manager sacked uh, he tweeted that like I think it was two weekends ago uh, probably like a week That's and a half bad. ago at least he just he just says first manager sacked Frank Lampard and tags us so obviously I'm going to retweet that get the discussion going we got to get some interaction with our listeners um, you know, like five people come out and jump out and say, oh, it's going to be Javi Gracia. Well, no shit. They've got one point through four matches. They're bottom of the table. Like, that's an easy pick, right? Am I right? Right. Okay. Yes, at this point, now, it was an I'll easy pick. I'll give you pick. credit. You did pick it earlier on. So 
hats off to you. You did a good job there. Dab, 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 now, dab, 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 like, dab, the dab. fourth person to say Javi Gracia, I think, is your father, Andy, who, let's be honest, is in control of, like, five different Twitter accounts, right? He's, like, the Detroit Honestly, fan club Twitter for every account. He doesn't even listen to our pods. We didn't even listen to your take, like, weeks ago. Right. I know. I, that, that, that's, the, that's the thing I'd like to add in. Dad, if you're, you know, my, my old man. I know he's not you know, listening, every, every, so I'm going to just it's every, throw him under the bus. It's every, it's every young boy's dream to have his father support him. And, uh, Dad, if you're out there, if you're listening, uh, we're talking about you. But, no, the, like he definitely loves jumping in on the takes and absolutely did not listen to the pod. Like, Dude, no chance. Even my dad listens to the pod sometimes. What he does, he just lays into me. He's like, you got to show more emotion. you got to do this and that. It's never satisfied. <laughs> but he doesn't even like soccer as much as your dad does. And he listens to it. Your dad hasn't even listened to it. So I'm like, all right, well, he, he, he says this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go with a different take than every one of our listeners because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to, you know, spark discussion, engage our listeners, you know, cre- create some debate here on these social media platforms, right? So I throw out Steve Bruce at Newcastle. I basically say, you know what? I think Watford can turn it around. I think they should show some patience with Javi Gracia, which I still believe. I still don't think they should have sacked him. Um, and Andy says, you know what? No, like – I, they they got to get rid of him. They got to get rid of him. Blah blah blah. I, I say, you know what? They had a good year last year for the most part. They have bad form recently. But they made a cup final last year. This and that. And Andy's like, no, no, no. Uh, the fact that they made the FA Cup, FA Cup final is actually like a bad thing because they got embarrassed so bad. So first off, quick question for you: Would you? Yeah, listen in. Would you, do you think it's better as a manager to make a cup final? and lose badly or to just not make a cup final i mean in the words of ricky bobby if you ain't first you're last um no but i do think making a cup final is something you can hang your hat on as a manager sorry that you lost to man city one of the best premier league teams of all time right right okay now he gets sacked right andy your dad just goes after me from like all of his Twitter accounts immediately. I called it, I called it, Chiss, you're an idiot. Great take, Chiss. Oh, well, where's your football expertise, Chiss? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Andy, chill. You're, what, you're like the 10th person to predict this. You know, this isn't an original take. Um, your sister comes after me, starts quote tweeting me. Oh, this aged well. That's her new thing. She just quote tweets all my tweets saying, this aged really well. <laughs> I go to the DCFC well, game. I see your whole family. They're just burying me left and right. I'm like, sorry for being original. This is, I, I couldn't handle it. I, you know, Andrew is giving me, giving me crap being like, oh, man, you sound a little salty. Yeah, I'm, I'm very salty. This is ridiculous. Yeah. This is, uh, I mean, this is all news to me, listeners. I gotta say, like my, it, there's, there's, it's interesting to know that my family, uh, co- co-host family, is burying one, the other co-host in person and over social media, um, some cyberbullying going on there. Would my I didn't father actually ever do this, this to you? I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I don't think so. He though. might. He might. Let's 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 get it going, Jim. Let's get some tweets going. But uh, no, I didn't know this was going on back and forth. But it does sound. I mean, regardless, uh, how do you feel about Kike Sanchez Forest, Chris? How do you feel about the the the, the rehiring of Kike Sanchez Forest? Yeah. So here's the interesting thing, right? Obviously, like I said, I wouldn't have fired Gracia, but this is the the, the biggest thing about it is not only did they fire Gracia, but within an hour they announced that Kike Sanchez Forest was their new manager. For those that haven't been following the Premier League or might not remember, he was the manager at Watford for the 2015-2016 season. Uh, so mm-hmm. four years ago, he was appointed 
They had just gotten promoted from the championship. They appointed him in the offseason. He lasted the entire year. They finished in 13th, and they made the FA Cup semifinals. And then they parted ways. So, I mean, as a newly promoted club, you finish 13th and you make the FA Cup semifinal, I feel like it's a pretty good season, yes? Yeah, I, I think the important thing for listeners to know with Watford is that they do. So the Watford owners actually own a, a few teams across Europe. So for those who don't know, they they, they own a couple Italian team. Uh, they own Italian Serie A team, and I believe also a Serie B or a, a third division team in, in Italy as well. Um, and then they're also connected with a, a team in Spain, and so I think it's part of this very large family. I, I need to do, need to do more fact checking, but I know there's a kind of a network of of clubs there that the Watford owners, whether it's through their family, like different cousins and relatives, own different clubs in different countries, or they all own them under the same corporate banner. Um, and so they've actually been accused over the past few seasons, like when they got promoted into the Premiership, of taking on too many loan players and having the advantage to loan. Two very talented players from Serie A in Spain because their ownership group owned those other clubs. So they actually gave players wage bumps to go down to a division to Watford, right? So they sent players from their other teams to get Watford promoted, which would financially benefit them. Um, and so they were accused of foul play there. So it is important to know that like this ownership group has kind of a web around Europe. And then it seems also like that they have these also ridiculous expectations of what is going to happen at, with Watford in the Premier League each season. Well, so um, I don't think Grassi's start was impressive by any means, but, like, I thought you know, he had a good had season a pretty last, good year. Year last year. I, I get that the form was bad, but, all right, so here's the other thing, right? They, they fire him. They have the high expectations. I think they actually have a pretty good squad. Now, I wanted to go through a couple of things with you here. Kike Sanchez-Flores is the sixth... Uh, manager in Premier League history to have two different loan spells as a permanent manager for the same club. You know any other ones at the top of your head? Two different loan spells no, two different, as a permanent no, two manager? Different permanent spells as a manager. At the same team? Right. In the Premier League or in all of Europe? Premier League. There's, I'm going to say... Six. There's five other ones. There's one or two you might be able to know. Yeah, um... There's going to be a few from Chelsea, like uh, Ancelotti. No, but the Chelsea one's the one you should definitely get. Yeah. Um, oh, Jose Mourinho. Correct, yeah. Um, and then the other one that you might be able to get is a former Portsmouth manager. <sighs> He's managed a lot of clubs. He's an old dude yeah. that a lot of people do impressions maybe, of. Maybe Harry Redknapp? Yeah. So. Yeah. The other guys are Steve Koppel at Crystal Palace, Howard Kendall at Everton, hey. and Kevin Keegan at Newcastle. Now, interest- Kevin Keegan, yeah. Interesting stats here. Only one of those guys actually had a better win percentage in his second spell with the club. That was Harry Redknapp. He was also the only one to last longer in his second spell at the club. So yeah, I, four of I the think five it's, times it's, it's, it's gotten worse the second time. It's a fantasy, right? It's like, uh, I mean, there's like relationship. There's like a relationship analogy there, and there at some point, you know what I mean? Or the, it's kind of like, I don't know, you, you something was something was good, and then you you go back to it and kind of looking to to recreate what happened the first time. And clearly, Wofford's trying to do that. They're thinking about, oh yeah, that in hindsight, that season that Sanchez Flores had was pretty good. Um, we should bring him back, but it's tough because Sanchez Flores. 
you know, he's obviously going to feel a little bit scorned to some degree uh, by the ownership group. And so how does he attack that challenge with the same vigor and intensity that he did the first time around? I'm not so conf- uh, I'm not so sure he he will. Um, it takes a very special person, I think, to attack that that task the second time around with a like a renewed impetus to succeed and, re- and renewed energy. And then also, you know, having a ton of trust that you're going to be and more confident more confident the first time around and then being able to learn from what happened the first time. It takes a definitely a very special person, you know, and you, you saw people like Jose Mourinho, great managers, couldn't couldn't do it, uh, you know, as well as they would like. So It's just not something you see in any other sport, really. And um, I think there's probably quicker and more turnover with football managers than there are with a lot of other, like, American sports yeah. that we see. Uh, a shorter leash a lot of the time. But it's like, hey, guys, you know, uh, Sanchez Flores did a pretty good job for you. Their first season up, you let him go. This was four years ago. And now you got Gracia, who did a pretty good job last year. And you let him go to bring back this guy. Like, it's, I don't really get it unless, unless you have a situation where someone really, really, like, exceeded expectations for you, got a better job, and then maybe it didn't work out, and you can, like, can bring that, that guy, right? But if you're yeah, the, if you're sacking them I, the first time and then bringing them back, it's just it's just a weird situation. It is, and it, it also like it, you know you think about uh, Kiki Sanchez Flores. I don't I don't know his age. Can you fact check his age for me, Chris? But it's pretty young. Uh, but. The, yeah, like he's not. I feel like the only time this ever happens in other sports is when you know uh, uh, a manager is achieves great success. And either like retires and then comes back, or achieves success and then goes on to a different challenge, a different type of challenge, and then ends up coming back like in their twilight years to like kind of retire and like have a less influential role, right? I think about like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like, or or how managers hang around at programs like in college football as like the AD or like an advisor, you know, yeah, um, or come back come back like that. Um, but very rarely do you see managers like in the peak of their coaching career. I mean, go, come and cycle through within three years of each other, um, with very brief stints both times. I don't know. It, it's super super unique to English football. He's fifty four. I mean, he has um, managed some pretty reputable clubs. So it's yeah. not like he hasn't done anything. He's been at. Benfica, Valencia, Atletico Madrid, uh, mostly Spanish clubs. But basically since he was at Watford last time, he was at Espanyol, then he was in China. Um, so I don't know. Well, we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll see what he does when he gets back. I think, if anything, that, that Watford team, like you said, they have some decent players on paper. And I think that if there is, there is uh, there's, that's not a relegation team. I actually don't think their squad is that talented, but I don't think they're a bottom. I think they're probably like a – 14th, uh, probably round around where they finished last time was it just for as a 14th, 15th, uh, yeah, a 13th, 14th type of team. Um, but I think they need to get they need to get a lot younger and more talented up top. I don't think Troy Deeney and Andre Gray are going to get it done. Yeah, well, that's all we really have on that. We'll see. They play uh, Arsenal this week, and we're going to cover that in the predictor. But um, yeah. one thing we wanted to talk about was just yeah, we're a month into the season here, four matches in. Uh, we're getting into September. As far as uh, the teams that have come out the gates uh, doing well or, or struggling, um, and the fan perspective right now, I guess based off of your expectations coming into the season, if you're a fan of you know or supporter of this club, which clubs should you be feeling really good about? Which ones are you kind of panicking about based off of your preseason expectations? Um, do you want to start with the teams that might be panicking a little bit if you're a fan of them? 
Yeah, so th- this is an interesting thing to think about because I think teams obviously come into the fan bases are really interesting and unique to each club, right? The, the Burnley fan base is very different and much more, I don't know, uh, calm and realistic with their expectations and, and okay with that than the Arsenal fan base, right? Arsenal think they're going to come, come back and win Europe every season, right? Um, and so... You know, like for example, Arsenal. So I've seen a bunch on Twitter over the international break. They're looking. Arsenal fans are looking for things to to talk about. Freaking out, freaking out, freaking out. I mean, they're at fifth. Um, they've they they they've scored. They they tied Spurs in their last game. Um, and you know, they're in fifth place, right? Early on in the season, they've got seven points. So they're in a decent spot, right? Um, so nothing nothing crazy to panic about. Um, if I'm a Chelsea fan. Um, I'm panicking a little bit, mainly because of the last result, letting Sheffield United come back to 2-2. I'm seeing a lot on Twitter about fans really, really loving Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham. And, and yeah, that's great. I love that they're rallying around their new squad and, you know, their new players and their new heroes. Um, But at the same time, the first four games, I think, have been indicative of where Chelsea are going to actually finish this season. Um, they are going to be mid-table, I think. Um, and I think if you're a Chelsea fan, like, you've, you came in knowing that it was going to be a setback year, right? Um, because, obviously, of the transfer embargo and selling Hazard and, you know, uh, sorry leaving, bringing Frank Lampard in, playing all the youth, every you know, everything was set up for them to have a challenge year. I don't know. I think it's difficult for a Chelsea fan who's so used to finishing in the top, you know, top four, top six, season over season over the past decade um, to actually I don't know if they actually thought or it crossed people's minds that or it hit them or they genuinely realized that they would finish the mid-table this season and I think that they will yeah I mean we kind of both talked about them at the beginning of the season as a team that could finish outside the top six or the, the likely team from that group to finish outside the top six I still think that's a possibility but I kind of disagree um, only because I think that they're starting to figure out a little bit now granted their last two matches are against Norwich and Sheffield United and they gave up two goals to each of them those are two newly promoted teams so right like their results from their first four matches have been pretty poor I can agree with that right um the things that are positive are you do love Mason Mount uh you you love what he's been doing so far picked up in fantasy that's true Tammy has scored in each of the last two games he's really picking it up you have Callum Hudson-Odoi is coming back. He should be on the bench this weekend, it sounds like. Uh, you're going to have Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming back. And Golo yeah, Conte has been I, beaten up, and he's going to be coming and back. I think, I think all that's fine. Like, I, I agree with them. I, I, think, I think from midfield and forward, they're, they're, they're talented. I think they're, I think they're sad they have depth. I think defensively, they're a nightmare. They, they, you can't go up 2-0 against Sheff, newly promoted Sheffield, Sheffield United at home and then concede two goals yeah. um, to, to let them back in the game. I think, and and I, I, think, I think you're seeing Kepa, who's the most expensive goalkeeper in the world, just being exposed for the the young boy he is, and a real Aspilicueta has been terrible to start the season. Who's supposed to be your captain in Rocket Defense? What if you can't play him every week? You know. Yeah, well, I didn't expect you to call Kepa a boy. Hopefully, he's not listening. <laughs> he's going to be pretty offended by that. He does look pretty Sorry, young, though, doesn't he? He's, he's got, he does. He's got a boyish he's a little, look to him. He's got a little alfalfa to him every week. Too, yeah, you know? yeah, he's got a little bit of a boyish look. But you know, the other thing too is it looks it looks like Emerson got hurt on international duty. Um, and he's been kind of their bright spot defensively. So, look, they're in trouble defensively, but I also think that as, with a new manager coming in, that's a spot that you expect this to take a little bit of a time, a little bit of time to come together, right? Um, and they've been scoring goals. 
they've you know they've scored uh, five goals in their last two games here. I think that they're going to be okay, but I definitely think they're um, you know they're, they're floating without to the top six for sure, hundred uh, percent. The team that I would be the most worried about though, as a supporter right now, is another top six club, and that's Tottenham. Um, they've had some tough fixtures. They drew against City. They also drew against Arsenal. Uh, they lost to Newcastle and they beat Villa. Now, their win against Villa, we, we watched that match from start to finish as Villa fans, and they were losing that for over two-thirds of the match, right? Uh, they won 3-1. They just uh, they, they just got a good performance out of LaCelso in the last couple of matches here. He just got hurt. He's out for at least a month uh, on international duty. You look at um, Deli Ali. I don't know what's going on with that dude, but... Um, he hasn't been yeah. the same player over the past year, right? Like last season, he struggled. He hasn't done anything to start this year. Uh, he's not even necessarily like a regular player for them anymore. I, I don't really know what's going on with them. Uh, I still look at their squad, and I feel pretty good about it, but I don't think I've been super impressed by them in any match this season. You look at the City one, sure, but they just blew a, a blew a lead against Arsenal, and they're in ninth right now. I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on Spurs right now? I have more confidence in Mauricio Pochettino as a leader that I think he'll be able to right the ship. Um, I think they'll, he'll, they'll get um, Deli Alley in form. I think you'll see Harry Winks and Oliver Skip get more and more game time as the season progresses here in central midfield. Um, I think you'll see Sun start to get back to his goal and scoring form. He's been really quiet because he was suspended early in the season. Harry Kane just bagged a couple in, in, in midweek for England or over the weekend for England. Um, Yes, it, not a good start for Spurs. I, I'm nowhere near hitting the panic button, though, because you drew, you drew City, um, which is just, you know, that's a massive point showing your class. And then, you know, you also drew a tough North London derby against Arsenal. And so you look at those two fixtures, if you can get two points out of those two games, like if you're finishing with two or three points out of those two games, I think you're okay. They also got a win against Villa. And then I think their, their game against Newcastle is just a, Newcastle are going to sneak a couple of those this season with the way Steve Bruce plays at, you know, at Newcastle, Joel Ellington header. Um, I don't get me wrong. I'm not defending Spurs. I'm not, I'm not sitting there satisfied as a fan of, uh, off, but I'm definitely more panicked if I'm a Chelsea or a Manchester United fan than I am with Spurs. I, I get that, but at the same time, I think the expectations for Spurs this season were different. They were the only team that I think people thought could compete with Liverpool and City. They made a Champions League final last year. Um, now, the things that are looking up for them is Erickson's still with the squad. Hopefully he's a little bit of a less distraction now that the window's closed. I do agree that Pochettino's a really good manager, but uh, based off of the expectations, I mean, I thought that was the third team that could say maybe we can make a title push here. Another seven points back at Liverpool, um, and they don't really have a lot of momentum. They haven't, they haven't won since their first match of the season, so I'm, I'd be a little bit, little bit panicked. Um, as far as the team that should be, like, you know, over the moon if you're a fan of right now, feeling really, really good, who do you like for that? I mean, I think the, the – I hate saying this because it's really obvious and everyone's really riding the bandwagon right now, but it's Leicester City. If you're Le- like if you're Leicester, if you're a Leicester fan right now, you're feeling really good about your squad and you're thinking with Chelsea slipping out like I think they will this season, this is the season that you can enter in the top six and establish yourself as a permanent team in that top six. They've got a very, very young team uh, outside of Jamie Vardy. Um, a lot of good young English talent. Um, Yuri Tielemans looks brilliant. Um, James Madison looks like one of the best uh, central attacking midfielders um, that England has. 
Um, he's getting, you know, his passing statistics week over week and chances created are really, really strong. They got a lot of pace on the wings, a bunch of different, they have a lot of depth as well, different guys that they can rotate in and out of, the, of their lineup. Um, and they still have, and they have some players with some experience who have, you know, won the league before, right? They had Jamie Vardy's in that squad, Mark Albrighton's in that squad, Ben Chilwell's in that squad, um, you know, Wes Morgan's in that squad. So, you know, I, I'm feeling really, really good if I'm Leicester City because Schmeichel. not only am Schmeichel, Schmeichel as well, a classy keeper. If I'm feeling really good if I'm, I'm Leicester City because I think that also if you watch them week in week out, you know the Harvey Barnes goal. They have some, they have a lot of youth. They're also playing really exciting football. There seems to be a lot of momentum with um, the chairman's uh, son also taking full, you know, full time take, taking the chairman's position. The chairman, Leicester chairman, who died um, in the horrible plane crash last season. So there seems to be just be a lot of movement in the right direction at Leicester City early on in the season. Yeah, no, I would have picked Leicester as well, so I'm just going to touch on two teams really briefly, but I actually back Leicester to be in the top six at this point from what I've seen. I liked them before this season. I think they've been fantastic. Uh, two teams, though, that should be you know feeling great if you're a supporter, Crystal Palace and West Ham. They both won their last two matches. Palace, I mean, they just did nothing, nothing over the summer. To get that win against United was huge. They come back and beat Villa 1-0. They're in fourth place right now. now that's not going to stay that way, but... That was a team that you were worried about being relegated based off of just the talent of the squad. And Roy Hodgson is just an absolute mastermind. Um, they've only scored three goals, and they're in fourth place. So there you go. <laughs> um, West Ham got off to a nightmare start, losing 5-0 at home to City in the opener. And now they've just won two in a row. Sebastian Holler is looking really good. Felipe Anderson is finding his form. they got Yorlomenko healthy. they got Lancini. You love Declan Rice. Um, if they can figure it out defensively and just be even okay defensively, they're going to be flirting with the top six as well. So those would be the two teams that I would say things are looking up, and you should be pretty optimistic at this point. Yeah, agreed. And I also think you know you, if you're looking at the new, newly promoted sides as well, like if you're a Sheffield United oh, fan, Sheffield you're feeling really United. good as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, and then I, even even if I if I'm a Villa or Norwich fan, I, I'm also not feeling dejected. You know, you've gone at teams over the first four games. You kind of gotten kicked in the teeth over the first four games. Both teams have one win. Norwich conceded ten goals already, so Norwich definitely needs to sure things up defensively. But I don't know. Both those teams, if you're a fan of both of them, you're kind of like, all right, we're going for it. Like we're we're, we're you know this is we're gonna play exciting football this season, and we're either gonna, you know. We're either going to pick up some goals and get scored on a lot, or uh, you know, we're either going to stay up and be exciting, or we're going to go down and it's going to get ugly. Well, and like, yeah, the thing, I, don't know. I think the thing with both those clubs is you watch them play for ninety minutes, and you're if you're a fan, you're thinking to yourself, okay, we can hang. Like, you know, yeah. we're we're we might we're going to lose some games. Don't get me wrong, we're going to give up four or five goals to some of these teams. But like, for instance, Norwich, they're going for it every week. Daniel Fark, right. he's not sitting back and playing for draws. Like, they're going out and trying to score. They're not playing like Steve Bruce Newcastle football. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, Dean Smith at Villa. So I think that they're going to sneak some wins against some pretty good teams. And I think that, I, I don't know, man, at this point, Chef United was the one that had pegged for relegation out of the newly promoted teams. And I don't know if any of them are going to get relegated at this point. Um, so yeah. it's going to be extremely competitive, like the bottom half of the table this season. Yeah. There's yeah, not I'm, any I'm probably, team that I'm I think not... is a sure relegation, but at this point. I... I might be more interested in watching the bottom half of the table. I, I will be because the teams I support are there. But I will be more interested in watching the bottom half of the table as opposed to seeing you know, where that two-headed title race between uh, Liverpool and uh, Manchester City goes. Be sure to turn tune into the pod all season long. I'm sure we'll be talking about it. Um, but let's transition over to everyone's favorite segment, which is trivia. Um, I've got trivia this week, so I'll be quizzing the um, 
ever learning Chris Saber. Ooh, ever learning. Um, That's not cool. Yeah, it is. It's good. Ever learning is a good life life philosophy. You always want to be learning. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. but, but, it, but it also implies that you're always kind of dumb. Um, so what we're going to be talking about, I'm going to be going through uh, this trivia question. And Chris, the way it's going to work, um, kind of a little curious on the way the formatting is going to work here. I'm going to give you... Should have it figured you, out. Well, there's a lot of different ways we can go, but I'm going to give you uh, 45 seconds. I might stretch it to a minute depending on how you're doing, and um, I want you to – And actually, no. I'm going to give you 15 guesses to guess the top 10 highest paid Premier League managers. And then depending on how you do, I'll ask you to rank them accordingly afterwards. Okay. I'll try to go okay. from top to bottom. Okay. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Um, okay. So I'll give, you, I'll give you 15, 15. You have 15 guesses total or 45 seconds because there's obviously 20 teams. So you should be all right. Ready, set, go. All right. Well, I'm going to go with Pep. Yes. Klopp. Yes. Uh, Unai Emery. Yes. Solchar. Yes. Pochettino. Yes. Lampard. Yes. Um, and then I will go with Brendan Rogers. Yes. Um, uh, Esperito. No. Oh, so shit. that's eight eight guesses, seven managers. Okay. Um, so I have seven out of the ten. Yep. All right. Um, Marco Silva? No. Oh, so that's nine guesses, seven managers. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to do this on time now. I'm going to try to just... I know. Go. I'm giving you unlimited time okay. here. Okay, cool. Um, all right. This is a very flexible challenge this week. All right. So I don't want to get any more wrong. I have to get three more, correct, to get the top ten? Yeah. Yep. And you're at nine guesses. Okay. So you can only get... Two more wrong. Okay, gotcha. Um, all right. I imagine Mar- Martha right now just screaming in her car. A certain manager. <laughs> I hate when she does that. Uh, Pellegrini. Yeah. Yes. Is that, so that's eight. Is that who eight on ten guesses. No? I don't know. Who under? Who knows? <laughs> okay. Um, Steve Bruce. No. <sighs> so that's eight. Eight on. Uh, 12 guesses. So you got three guesses left and you can get two. Okay. Um, huh. These are all up to date, yes? <laughs> yeah. Yes, as of the beginning of this season. So assu- assuming Sanchez Forrest didn't just sneak in there, but okay. I, I don't think he did. Okay, so <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I was asking. I don't know. I mean, this this is interesting. Oh wow, that eliminates a team. Shit. Yeah. Um, well, then I guess I'll go with. Uh, I didn't think this, but Sean Dyche. No. Then I don't know. So, and Eddie Howe. Okay. <laughs> yes. So that's fourteen. You have one more guess to. For, if you get your next one, you're you're ten for ten on. You're ten for fifteen, which is exactly what I gave you. I mean, okay, well, this isn't my guess yet, but, like, just thinking it out here, like, Roy Hodgson should be paid that much, but Palace are cheap. Um, like, the newly promoted clubs, I would think probably not. 
and then you, that recently is like Hazen Huddle, basically. So, I'll go with Roy. No. Okay. So, 15 guesses, you went 9 for 10 um, on the ma- on the managers that finished in. Uh, overall, good effort. Um, Not really. Especially when you're... F- well, you were firing them off right off the bat. I was just curious to see if you got... You, you went straight to Brendan Rodgers, which was impressive. Yeah. Um, so, the other manager that you were missing was Ralph Hasenhutl. Okay. Um, perfect. So, I want you to... How, to, is, it's interesting that, how does Ralph Hasenhutl get paid more than, like, Marco Silva? I don't even know if Marco so he, Silva's a good manager, but that's surprising. So he gets paid a lot more than Marco Silva. So um, I actually uh, – I'm going to go through. You guessed Pep Guardiola first. Correct. Pep Guardiola makes 20 million pounds a year. Jeez. Um, he's by far the highest paid manager in the Premier League. Second highest, is, second highest is who? Um, I guess Klopp's second, so I'll say that. Yes. No, it's not. It's Mauricio Pochettino. Interesting. Um, it, Eight point five million, so oh less than half God. of what, less than what, less than half of what Guardiola makes. Um, then third Sol- is also Solchar. Yes, is uh, Ole Gunnar Solchar, who makes seven point five million, um, and it may, which is the same as who's fourth, which is your boy, Jurgen. Um, they're both He's paid seven point five. Well, so you just you guessed him. Seven point sure. five million. So they're making uh, just just over a third of what Guardiola was making. Um, then fifth highest paid manager in the Premier League is Rogers. No, Manuel Pellegrini, um, <laughs> making making seven million pounds. Okay. West Ham really throwing out the big bucks to get him to West Ham. Okay. Then the si- sixth highest paid manager in the Premier League is. I would guess Rogers again. No, Ralph Hasenhutl. That's that's um, that's silly. At six million pounds a season, what are so he is doing? That's silly. extremely, extremely highly paid, um, extremely well played. So then, uh, seventh highest paid manager in the league is. I don't want to keep guessing. So either Lampard <laughs> or Rodgers, right? No, it, no, it's Unai Emery at six oh, million pounds. I forgot about Unai Emery. Okay. Um, so Unai <laughs> Emery and Hasenhutl both make six million. Then we have eight, nine, ten. Uh, eight is Lampard at five million. Nine is Rodgers at five million. So they both make five million a year. And then ten is Eddie Howe at four million. So like, basically two through nine are pretty close in terms of salary. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, yes. So, like, Mauricio Pochettino makes $8.5 million and Rodgers makes $5 million. So there's a $3.5 million gap between those. And Compared to the then you get $11.5 million between one and two. Yes, exactly. And, and and then you jump down from Eddie Howe, and you get, start to get a bigger tier under Eddie Howe. You get the Silvas, you know, making between, you know, uh, one mil to four mil a year um, for everyone else in the I league. Know, so I don't know if Roy, Hodge, Roy Hodgson has, like, a lot of expenses, considering he's the oldest Premier League manager ever. Like, I don't know what he does in his free time. But like he does he already be, have like should be getting paid retirement more. savings? Does he already have like retirement savings that are kicking He's in, or how does like that work? The English equivalent of Social Security. I don't know if they have that or not. I should look into that. But yeah, like we should look into that. He like should be getting paid way more. That's ridiculous. Um. Well, yeah, and it's also insane to see how much Pep is being paid. Like, no, you know, no wonder he. Also, he... Um, Nuno Espirito Santo, like, yo. Get paid, bro. Yeah, he, yeah, he's not getting, he's not, yeah, he's they're, not getting paid. They're, they're playing in Europe this year. 
Yeah, I'm sure he's in, in for a new contract soon. Um, all right, so there you go. It's, it's always interesting to see, especially for me. Um, football management is something that, like, in my wildest dreams, I would love to do. And, like, to look at how much these guys are being paid, it's pretty, pretty my, impressive. I'm going to be honest. Not my favorite trivia question you've done, but an extremely interesting one to, to look at. Um, right. I don't. Well, I don't really give a shit if it's your favorite because I get to ask it and you have to answer. So right. let's jump over to let's jump over to predictor. Um, thinking. Uh, let's let's kind of rapid fire these out. Um, Spurs versus Palace. Chris, who'd you pick? Yeah, I'm actually just going heavy on away teams again this week, but I did go one one in this one. Um, I just talked about Spurs kind of being on the downside and Palace on the up and up. So Palace play well away. One one. Yeah, I'm going 1-0. Palace are going to sneak a cheeky result away at Spurs. Spurs is really the only team who Palace hasn't done well on the road against, and they've seemingly done well against every other top six side um, as of late, like we like we talked about on the pod. And so I think they're kind of due for one here. Um, Spurs, again, have really struggled to break down some strong defensive teams. Look at that Newcastle game. So Palace, difficult to score on. I'm going to go them 1-0, sneaking in a, an away win. Okay. And then we got Norwich City. Who do you like? Um, I've got 4-0 Man City. Man City have been waxing some teams 4-0. Um, like I said, Norwich have, are leading the league in goals conceded. I think this one could get further to like 5 or 6, but I'm going to say it's 4-0 just to play it safe. I'm going 3-1 City. I think they'll win pretty comfortably, but I picked up Timo Pukki in fantasy, and he hasn't scored for me yet, so I'm going to hope that he scores at least one for Norwich. <laughs> then we got uh, Bournemouth Everton. What do you like? Uh, again, away teams. I'm going to go Everton 2-1. I'm pretty big on Everton, too. They were the one team that I haven't mentioned that I think uh, are going to start to figure it out pretty quickly here. I'm going to go 2-1 because I still like Bournemouth. think, you know, King or Wilson will scrape away one goal there. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've watched Everton quite a bit this season, and I think this is going to be a 1-1 draw. Um, this is going to be one of those weird games where it's kind of free-flowing, but also cagey, coming off an international break. You know, some of the players, you know, you might might see some, some easy chances missed. Um, and I think they're both going to kind of, I don't know, weirdly try and play offensive, but I think that's going to end up balancing out in the middle of the pitch, and you'll see a lot of action in, in, the, in the central third of the field. Um, so I got 1-1. Okay, and then we got the debut of Kike Sanchez Flores, or the, the second debut, I guess, with Watford at home against Arsenal. Yeah. I'm going to go 2 0 Arsenal. Uh, I don't think yeah. Watford quite figured out his first game back here. And Arsenal have been scoring. I think they'll, they'll uh, be able to get a couple goals up there. And, you know, we'll see. Maybe Watford will bag a goal, but I'm going to go 2 0. Yeah, I'm going same result too. I think Arsenal will take care of business here. Um, I, what do they call that? Your second debut when you come back, like your your renaissance? What, what are they? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. They're, I'm not sure if that's a term. It sounds like a Jeopardy question. Yeah. Anyway, let's get it on there, Alex Trebek. Um, and then last uh, last fixture, Trebek. 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 Yeah, Trebek. I, I said it the British way. I watch Jeopardy every um, night. So. <laughs> yeah. Nerd. Yeah, okay. um, so we got we got Aston Villa West Ham in the last game. Um, who you got in this one? I'm gonna go one one. I was just talking about West Ham doing well. Uh, Villa got absolutely screwed against Palace in their last result. Uh, should have been a one one draw. I think they'll score again. I I wanted to pick West Ham in this one, but uh, I think Villa at home will be able to at least sneak out a point. Yeah, so I think Villa are going to win this one 2-1. I think Villa are really going to take some – I know Dean Smith works really, really hard, and I think after that – after the first four games of the season, there's definitely some things to take away uh, if you're Aston Villa. Um, I think we need a lot better – I think Villa need a lot better play from their wide players. I've been a little bit disappointed with Trezeguet out wide. El Ghazi's been okay in well, spurts. Well, Trezeguet's not going to play. He got a red card. 
Right. Um, and I've just been disappointed with their wide play. And so I think you're going to see hopefully a little bit of rotation or a little bit um, of a shift up here where we, you know, we allow El Ghazi maybe to switch flanks. Um, maybe Grealish can can drift out onto the flank for a period of time when we can bring in Hurahan into central midfield. Um, or, we, you know, we kind of switch up um, how we're getting the ball likes. I have been disappointed with, with our wide play um, so far this season. But I think... I don't know. I think I think the the Ford four game and then break really plays into the newly promoted sides because it's kind of like they just jumped into the pool, see where they you know where they flowed to the surface at, and then now they can start kind of swimming in the direction of where they want to get to. And um, I think Villa are going to use use that international break wisely and come out with a two one win at home. Yeah, I think. Villa- I mean, on the note of the wide play, I do think Yota's been good, uh, and with Trezeguet suspended, I think he'll start. So I wouldn't be surprised if he bags an assist. I thought he was really really good. Uh, when they played uh, Everton, yeah, Everton in their third match and got that two 0 win. He was really impressive. So uh, you had a couple of homer picks though here, going with Villa and Palace. I do, I do. It's it's what happens when I you know I'm away from football for a while. I get a little bit nostalgic no, and I start to pick with. I think you just get false in confidence in your clubs because you haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you know, distance makes makes the heart grow fonder. Um, um, I did want to, I, before you. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt, but I do want to have to give out one shout out here. Uh, reluctantly uh, to Colin Wolf, who I don't even know if he's listening, but he has won the last two weeks of our predictor league, uh, match week three and four, which, I mean, the dude doesn't know anything about soccer. so It's, it's absurd. So If it, you it, don't like, know anything that, about soccer, you could easily win this, maybe even sneak out 50K, because Colin's done really well the last two weeks, and he has no shit. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, and if that's if that's not making you like, if you're anxious to get in the league, but you listen to the pod and you're like, I don't know, it seems like a commitment. Like, download the app, type in M D E Q L eight M D E Q L eight in the Predictor app leagues. Join our league. Just goes to show. Uh, we pick every week. We've already submitted our picks from this week, um, and truly, like, part of it is football brilliance, which is why I finished second last week. But also, it's you know, anyone can play. So get in there, get your chance to win the 50K. Yeah, don't um, listen to my picks. I've been bad the last two weeks. I won the first <laughs> week, and it has been rough the last two weeks. Um, also, uh, speaking of bad, our Instagram account right now has not a lot of followers. So We love that, though. It's gritty. Yeah, I mean... I, would, I actually I actually got, I got a notification. I don't know if you got this on your phone the other day. Did Instagram send you a notification? It was like, get your Instagram profile more traction. Start following people. And I was like... Fuck you, Instagram. I mean, it's a good like, idea. I know what I'm, I know, I know what I'm doing. Like, don't don't tell me to follow people. What do I look like? <laughs> Instagram starts sending out notifications like, hmm, doesn't seem like you have a lot of friends. Start following random yeah. people. Um, Edit your profile because no one likes you. I've been doing a lot of the social stuff. The Twitter is we get some some decent engagement. Like, shout out like Zerms for tweeting at me about the the sacking and stuff like that. But Instagram's been kind of rough, so uh, we'll see. I don't know. Follow us at Just Goes to Show Pod, um, but. And also, if you have any pictures, like listeners out there, if you have any pictures of Chiss and I from back in the day, we're trying to compile a little like co-host album um, just to get out there, get out there on the pods. So if you got anything gnarly, um, let you know, let us know. All you Chicago peeps, I'm sure you guys have a couple Snapchats or photos of Chiss and I. So maybe. let's go. I don't know, Jack. We were talking the other day. We were playing some FIFA. I might just start throwing up some butt pics on the the pod <laughs> account because. <laughs> oh God damn! Yeah, it might be more people to want. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> if you guys are interested in seeing some, you know, nice butt pics from from just over here, it's kind of big. Um, 
maybe that'll just like. <laughs> All right. Let's, that's uh, that's that's pretty much all we got from, <laughs> I'll get, from I'll the pod this week. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> that's all we got from the pod this week. Uh, if you guys can shoot us a couple follows, we appreciate it. Uh, just goes to show. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, excited to get back in a footy with the international break. Just goes to show. Everybody's human. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, guys.